This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm going to recap super quick. Here's the verse we talked about last week. Remember we talked about some things you can't control? You cannot control people. I keep going over that point just because I know some of you are just dead set like, oh, I know I can't. No, you can't. You can't control people. You can control your response to people and your attitude towards people and how you treat people. And you can't always control the things that come at you, but you can control what stays with you. So we talked about controlling our minds, and here's the verse we read. It's a process, Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally or fleshly or naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, we're, we're talking about the fact that what we think about, what's on our minds and constantly going around in us, it can produce one of two things. It can produce life and peace, or it can produce death. Now, don't get hung up on that word death. You think, we think of dead, we, we think of graveyard. Death means separation from God. And in death, you find fear, torment, anguish, depression, darkness. If you ever dealt with that, and all of us, this is one of the areas, I, I, think, it's one of, I think it's one of the biggest areas that, that we deal with in our country is this area right here. And you know, it, it's one of the things about it, if you have a, a sickness in your body, oftentimes it's a little bit more visible, but if you're dealing with mental issues, it is, it often it, we just go unchecked and people can't tell. And yet it's something that I know a lot of us have worked with and dealt with. And listen, if you have dealt with depression or fear or torment or anguish or any of those things I just listed, the good news is it doesn't have to be that way. The good news is you've got something you can do about this. And one of the things I'm going to continue to go over is one of the biggest challenges that we have is we keep accepting things that do not belong to us. People say, if you, I mean, if we, if we stood up and, and just got around in a circle and just talked among and said, okay, do you have anybody in your family that's ever gone through anything mentally? Almost all of us are going to have to raise our hand and go, yeah. Yeah, I, cousin, mom, father, dealt with this. Listen, just because it's in your family doesn't mean it has to, it has to continue through you. I've talk, I talked with a lady last, last week, a couple of weeks ago, and she just began to list out people in her family that had committed suicide. She was getting, she was getting ready to go to a funeral of a young man, another young man in her family that had committed suicide. And I looked at her and I was very serious. I said, it doesn't have to be that way with you. And she said, no, you're right. You're right. And that is right. I don't care if you've got generations of it. You need to buy off on the idea that not me. Not me. It stops here. And that's something that's really important. And I'm going to continue to go over that. Because one of the biggest challenges is we accept stuff that does not belong to us. Someone showed up on your porch. I hate snakes. Somebody said, Alan hates a strong word. Strongest one I can think of. Uh, <laughs> snakes and onions. And uh, <laughs> hate them both. And uh, if someone showed up on my porch and, and uh, the UPS guy and he come, knocks on the door, now they just knock it, go. But uh, they used to knock and make you sign for stuff. Well, you, sometimes you, 
If you bought good stuff, they make you sign for it. Um, <laughs> so they come to your door and say, Mr. Are you Mr. Clayton? Yes. You have any ID? Yeah, I'm going to pull up my good ID. Show my good ID. And, and then it says, um, Mr. Clayton, I have a box here. Great. What is that? Uh, it, it, sir, it's a, it's a combination of a rattlesnakes and there's a copperhead in there. Oh, oh, and one water moccasin. Just for you. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, well, praise God. <laughs> Someone sent me some snakes. Okay, I'm going to. Want to sign for that? Yeah, just go ahead and put them, put them right down there. Now, some of you who like snakes are like, I'll take the snakes. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm talking about how many of you would take the snake box? Okay, there's the snake lovers. Now, we got you spotted right there. <laughs> I'm not taking the snake box. I hate snakes. I'm not, but you know, I'm not going to let them in my house. I'm going to tell the UPS guy, I'm not signing for that stuff. Take it back. Take it back. Those things are dangerous. Those things will cause problems. I don't want them in my house or anywhere near my house. In my opinion, the only good snake is a dead snake. Yes, amen. Take that thing out of here. But what happens is the enemy comes and he says, um, I got some depression for you. You say, well, I didn't, I, I didn't sign for that. Well, it's been in your family. Your mama's got it, had it for years. Her mama had it. In fact, your whole family has it. Y'all are just a depressed bunch. Now it's your turn. Sign here, please. You should be able to look at them and go, I ain't taking that. It stops. With, oh, and say, you know what? You know what happened? I forgot to tell you. I just got born into another family. And in God's family, there's, hey, no depression. No depression in heaven. Do you think they're going to have a, a place in heaven, a quiet place where you can go if you happen to feel a little down and depressed? <laughs> oh, that, there's a quiet section over here. Those are all the depressed people. No. <laughs> and Jesus said, you pray, Father, Father, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So one of the things we got to understand is we don't have to accept this stuff. And one of the challenges, and here, here's my point. God never wanted his people troubled and tormented from the very beginning. Deuteronomy, I'm going to, read, I'm going to put the verse up here in a second. I'm, I'm going to talk about it. If you've read the chapter of, of 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, it's a fascinating chapter. It's where God outlines the blessings of serving God and then what they call the curse of the law of disobeying him and getting away from him. And God gave him, he gave him a choice. He said, look, he said, I'm setting before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he gives him a hint, choose life. But in the 28th chapter, he begins to outline all the stuff that he does not want us to have. And so when you see the Lord will, understand that is a passive, that is a passive, I don't know, I don't know Hebrew, but it means it's a, it's a passive, the Lord allows. Look, look at this verse in 28. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place, but there the Lord will give you or allow you to have a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And in evening you shall say, oh, that it were morning because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. 
Now, I'm, that, this is Old Testament, and, and this is what God was saying. He didn't want his people to have that. But how many of you know that's not an uncommon thing today? You hear people saying, I, 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 man, when I go to sleep, I'm just praying, oh, God, dear look, God, let the morning come. And then when the morning comes, you have people going, oh, God, just, just let, the, let, the, let the night come. And there's anguish of soul. And, you know, you, could, you can have a problem in your body, but, boy, when you have anguish of soul in your heart and in your mind, that's a difficult way to live. I won't have to ask for a show of hands, but all of us have had things that have happened to us that have anguished us as a heart, in our heart. And it made life so unpleasant. But here's the, you say, well, Alan, I'm, I'm a Christian and I have that stuff. Listen, I, I want to I, I, hear me on this. Just because you're dealing with this now doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or something's wrong with you or that you're not right with God. What it means is you probably don't know what belongs to you and the freedom that's yours and what you'll have to fight for. In Galatians 3.13, there's a wonderful verse that says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Deuteronomy 28, the first few verses, in third, I think 1 through 13, talks about the blessings. The rest of them talks about the curse. This verse says that Jesus took the curse for us. He took it for us so that we don't have to. Now, that might be brand new news to you, but if it is, don't throw it away just because it's new. I'm going to give you some scriptures here that begin to back that up. But the idea is you don't have to have anguish of soul. You don't have to be tormented. You don't have to live in fear. In fact, the, the Bible said God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. In Romans, it says, we haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, we begin to cry out, Abba, Father, is, that's like Daddy God. Abba is, a, was a, is, a, Abba is a, a term of endearment for Hebrew children that would call their fathers. He said, we've been adopted into his family. And if you're adopted into his family, he never intended for you to live in bondage or in fear or in torment or in anguish. That's not his best for you. Now, the, the deal is, though, you'll have to embrace that. You're going to have to take that. Say, well, well, Alan, if God doesn't want me to have that, then why do I have that? And, and why, do I have to, why, why do I have to fight for it? Here's the deal. We're living, guys, in a world where there's still a fallen world. We're still living where there's a curse. We're still living where there's darkness and there is a devil, Satan. Well, I don't believe in him. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. He exists, and Jesus was not talking to a figment of his imagination in Luke chapter 4 when he said, get behind me, Satan. He's very much real, and one of his best ploys is to sell you his stuff and then tell you it's God's fault, that God did it. But he's a liar. Jesus said he was a liar. He's the father of lies. And you have to understand the heat, we are still living in a world where there's people under the curse and, and they're in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'm going to show you a verse here. People think, well, I, I don't like all that stuff. Listen, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
If we weren't living in conflict, we would not need armor. That makes sense? You know, if you're not in a, if you're not, if you're going to war, you need to, you need to arm up. You need to, you need, I, I don't want to show up in a war and all I've got is my t-shirt and flip-flops. Hey, I didn't know it was a war. Well, guess what? You're in it. I mean, I want to show, I want all the body, body armor I can find. I want a big gun. If I'm going to war, I need a big gun. I want a big gun. I, I don't, but the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. Why, why are we supposed to do that? The wiles of the devil. I, Alan, I don't, I don't like the idea that there's negative stuff out there and that there's the devil. Yet Jesus beat him. Jesus defeated him. And the armor of God is so that we can stand against the, the wiles of the devil. One of the biggest areas that he attacks, guys, is mentally. The battle is often, when you're thinking, wiles of the devil, where is he? I'll whoop him. <laughs> He's not going to show up like the Underwood devil with a pitchfork and, and, and horns and go, hey, I'm the devil. And you go, I recognize you from the commercial. <laughs> he shows up as a liar. He shows up to, to, to speak things in our lives that aren't true. And so this is why the, the Bible said, you need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. The very first thing it starts with is with the belt of truth. We need to know truth. That's why we're here on Wednesday night. We're here to talk truth so we get truth. And when we find out truth, it's truth that makes us free. I'm rambling tonight, but I, this, is a, this is a needed rant. We have to enforce that freedom. Some of the greatest conflict is the mental pressure that we endure. Have you ever had something that just, it happened to you, someone said something, someone did something, and you're just having a hard time just, it just keeps going over and over and over in your mind. Anyone ever had that happen? Somebody said, you know, and, and I heard a guy say this one time, and I think, it's, I think it's the truth. The enemy's looking for, he looks for weak areas of ours. And do you remember those, um, remember those little jack-in-the-boxes they used to have? This is years ago. This is old school. We're talking, it's not digital. You used to have to crank it. Remember, remember those, anybody remember those? Some of you have no idea. You need to Google this when you go home. You would crank it a few times and nothing would happen. And then you would crank it, nothing would happen. And then you crank it and all of a sudden, poof, it'd pop up. A friend of mine said, and I agree with him, he said, the enemy tries to find out what's going to make it pop for you. Let me, let me talk about you. Hmm, nothing. Let me talk about your family. Hmm, nothing. Oh, let me talk about your kids. Boop. There. There. And some of the biggest things we deal with are, is, is mental, mental challenge, and we can loop stuff. John 14, 27. I'm not, peace I, this is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What you keep on your mind is, is going to determine what gets in your heart and if your heart is troubled or not. Now, let, let me go back to that looping again. I'm not the only one who's experienced this. 
I could lay in bed and something could just keep going round and round and round. And I'm usually a good sleeper. I'm usually, man, I hit the sack, I'm out. In fact, I could sleep sitting up. Just, I can go sleep, not a problem. But when I wake up and then a, a thought hits my mind and it just keeps over and over and over and then I'm dealing, you feel like you're almost wrestling with it. Does it making sense to anybody? Maybe you're dealing with a, a, a breakup in a relationship. Those can be tormenting. Maybe you're dealing with a, 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 someone was disloyal to you, broke trust, did you wrong. Man, those things can just get in you and go over and over, and they can do damage. But they don't have to, and you can stop Alan, how, how can I stop him? Because Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. That means it's up to us. That means we can do something about it. Let me tell you something that, that I've, I've done. I tell you, it helps me more than anything else. When I recognize I'm in that loop, something I've done, it helps me. I hope it helps you. I simply begin to out loud speak a verse. One of my favorites is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You, you can begin to speak that. And you know what I'll do? I'll speak it. And, and then what I'll do again? I'll speak it again. And I'll speak it again. And as I speak it again, what am I doing? Well, for one thing is my mind has got to stop to hear what my mouth is saying. You can't go and you can't, you say, well, I'm a, I can multitask. No, you can't. If you're talking, your mind is, is thinking about, well, some people I wonder, but your, your mind is usually, <laughs> is thinking about what you said. And if you, if you go over it and go over it, say, well, that, that's kind of crazy. No, going over the problem's kind of crazy. Going over the anguish is kind of crazy. Going over the enemy's lies is kind of crazy. If we've got something that will change that and bring life to that, that's what we need to go over and over and over and over. If, you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna loop it, if you're gonna loop something, loop what he said. Loop his word. Even in, in that verse, the Lord is my shepherd. That means I got somebody with me. I shall not want. I don't have any lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't send me out to the desert. He makes me lie down where it's green. He leads me beside still waters. Natural sheep will not drink from water that's rushing. They need water that's still. In my one, of my, one of my Bibles that says, waters of peace. Where does it Lord lead you? He didn't lead you into bad situations. He leads you into peaceful situations. He restores my soul. He doesn't torment my soul. He restores my soul. He's a good shepherd. Do you know a pastor is called a shepherd? That, that's, what a, that's what my job is. If, if I came to you and every time I saw you, I tormented you, you would not call me a good shepherd. 
Every time I saw you, I'm like, oh, look at you. Look at you. You're gaining weight. You look pretty big. You don't look too good. You're not looking good. Man, you look old, too. You, how much older? Whoa, life has been tough on you. You look like you're, you look bad. You really look bad. And every, and every time I saw you, I'm just, I'm just needling you. Oh, wow. It's no wonder. It's no wonder no one wants to be around you. You don't even smell good. Whoa. You. Every time I saw you, I'm just hammering you like this. After a while, you're going to learn something. That's, that's a bad pastor. And I'm going to stay way away. Don't you come, ar- don't you come around me. Every time you, y'all be talking, does Alan talk bad to you? Yeah, every time I get around him, man, he's just tormenting us. He talks about our clothes. He talks about our kids. He talks about our breath. He talks about our life. He just talks bad stuff all the time. That's a tormenting shepherd. And you wouldn't stay around a tormenting shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is never going to torment your life and tell you that you're bad, you're awful, you can't do it. He's a good shepherd. He's better than I am. That wasn't a push, was it? Yeah, okay, duh. (laughs) Duh, Alan, got it, got it, got it. The Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. And taking that verse... Let me just encourage, listen, you can say that verse all the time. You might remember Dr. Mark Rutland. Do you remember that book he talked about, 20, that prayer, when he was so, just so pressed and he said he was, he was in depression. He was in the deepest, darkest time of his life. He said in the enemy, he heard the voice of the enemy say, you don't have a prayer. He said, but thank God for the Holy Spirit that spoke up on the inside of him and said, yes, you do. And it's the, it, it was the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. What am I saying? Most of us know one of these verses. One of the most encouraging things. Listen, instead of looping the problem over, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. I tell you what, if I ever got to see them again, what I would say to them is, no, I wouldn't say that. What I would say is this. And I I don't know if I would say that, but is that too hard? No, I would say this. Can we do that? Has it happened? Did it bless you? Stayed up all night. Next morning, you're like, wow, I feel so refreshed. (laughs) Stayed up tormented all night. It's not God's plan. It's not his best for you. And you don't have to accept it, but you need to fight it. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. I'm trying. I can't help myself. Listen, you need to get rid of that one right now. Get rid of that one right now. That's the enemy's biggest lie. I can't help it. Listen, I understand if you've been in a thought pattern for a long time, it's so easy to fall into that same loop. I understand that. I get that. I'm just saying is it doesn't have, that means it doesn't have to be that way. You're gonna, it, it's a fight. But thank God, we, thank God we got something to fight with. We've got the armor of God. We've got the truth of God. We've got his word we can put in our heart. See, Alan, you seem so passionate about this tonight. It's because I've seen way too many people tormented, hurt, depressed, down, at the, at the, at the mercy of the enemy. And that's not God's way. Do you want that for your kids? Your kids walk in and you can, you're like, what's the matter, babe? Yo, my, my boyfriend broke up with me and he said I'm worthless and he... He said, I'm no good. And he said, no one's ever going to love me. He just goes, well, praise God, baby. I, you know, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I just. 
No good parent, no, no good parent, no good parent is going to do that. You're going to look at your child and go, I'm going to tell you something. That young man that I never liked from the beginning <laughs> is wrong. He is totally wrong. Is this what a parent says? You are valuable. You, ha- you are lovable. You're going to make someone just a wonderful spouse. You're, you've got something to offer. You think your heavenly father would say anything less to you? No, he wouldn't. And we come in and go, God, I'm so terrible. I'm so horrible. I'm so lousy. He didn't look at you and go, nah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's you. He looks at you and goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, my child. You see, I paid an awesome price. An awesome price to redeem you from the hand of the enemy. I paid an awesome price to call you my very own. I've washed you in my blood and recreated you and you're a brand new creature with eternal value. You will live with me for eternity and it's never been my intent that you live deep, beat down and depressed and under. He's a good father. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? We don't have to accept it. We don't have to take it. It's a fight. But it's a fight you can win. You say, well, yeah, I'm not much of a fighter. I want to change that. You might want to begin to say, I'm a fighter. And I'm not taking this anymore. When you find out you don't have to take it, that's a freeing day in your life. The enemy tells people over and over again, that's just the way you are. That's just the way you are. That's just the way you are. It's always been that way. It's just the way you are. You can't do this. You can't do that. And he'll attack your mind with stuff like that. But thank God we have God's truth that we could say, no, no, no. Do the exact same thing Jesus said. It is written. It's written. And we stay there. This week, take either the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm. And repeat it. You can get in the car and repeat it. A lot of times when I get in the car, one of the first things I'll do is, and I'm developing a habit, you always you get in the car, you're driving somewhere, instead of cutting the radio on immediately, I have a verse. I like, I like Psalms 34. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. And I'll just say that driving down the road. You know, now with, with hands-free Bluetooth, no one thinks you're crazy if you're talking out loud. Right? You can go down the road just talking to the Lord. They don't know if you're on the phone or not. In a sense, you are on the phone. You're talking to someone who hears, who knows, who understands. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you, Father, for the freedom that's in Christ and the freedom that you have bought for us and paid for us. Father, I thank you that everyone here, everyone who knows you and has a relationship with you, has the ability to walk in freedom and peace and not to have anguish of soul, but to have peace in their heart. And Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to begin to walk down that path. Father, for those that don't know you, I thank you that you made it available, that we can have a relationship with you, that you loved us enough to send your son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have life, everlasting life. And we're grateful for that. Said your bowed knives are closed. If you came this evening and said, Alan, I, 
I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord, but I really want one. Or you say, I, you know, Alan, I, I walked with God, but I, I, turned, I, I just got away from him. I didn't mean to, but I just fell away. I'm so far away from him. But I want to come close again. I want to be close. If either one of those situations are you, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. It's not stand up and it's not come to the front. I'm, asking, going to, I'm just simply going to ask you to slip up your hand and we're going to pray as a church. And if that's you and you say, I do want a relationship with the Lord or I, I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just across the auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it takes courage to do that. Thank you. I see hands up all over. Anybody else? Thank you. Got you. In the back. Wonderful. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and you wanted to, you did not miss your opportunity because this is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer who stepped out of darkness into light or stepped back into the light. And now, Lord, I do pray for those tonight who are dealing with just absolute anguish in their soul and have said there is no way out of this, that this is the way it has to be. Lord, I thank you that this is not the way it has to be, that there is freedom, that there is a door out, that there is a way, that they can live in peace. And I pray for everyone who's there. And Lord, I just ask that you would speak to their hearts tonight, tomorrow, in the next few days, that this revelation would become real in their hearts and lives they can live and have your peace abundantly in their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.